I'm Dr. Kimberly Manning. And this is Dr. Ashley McMullen. And you're listening to the Human Doctor Podcast, where we explore the human side of medicine, along with teaching, living, learning, and all things in between. Using the power of storytelling, conversation, and connectedness. Hey, we're two dope academic internal medicine doctors, but we ain't your doctors. So if you perceive anything we say here as medical advice, no, it ain't that. Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's Let's go. go. All right. You good? I am good. Good with a T on the end. Oh, yeah. Well, you look (laughs) good. Jules. Jules got, you know, this is my, um, my dirty hair hack. Dirty hair hack. Yeah. So when I like my hair is not when it's flat and it's not doing it the right things and I need to wash it, but I don't have time. I kick it old school with some big heated rollers or Mm -hmm. I put some big curls in it with like an old school Marcel metal curling iron. Wow. And then it gives me like about a day and a half of this kind of special looking volume. Yeah, I was gonna say you got a lot of a lot of volume there. And, and pair that with the the chunky bright red and pink turtleneck, the glasses. I mean, this is a whole vibe. I don't yeah, appreciate you showing up with this much, this much energy while I'm I mean, low key. Hitting. What what's up with you with the silk press two weeks in a row though? I know it's I'm it's... saying <laughs> Look, me and Mahalia are going to make this work as long as we possibly can. So, you know, every time we, we start talking about like Mahalia and um and Jules with no explanatory comma, I always think of the people that are new to our podcast. They're like, who? Wait, wait, what? Mahalia and Jules are our hair. Yes, we name our hair. Your hair should have a name too. <sighs> but anyway, there's that. I know we have beat this to death, but um, okay, so I finished Chain Gang. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the part three update oh gosh yeah that was a good book that was a really good book and and they do include some of the footnotes that's really what oh, I, can, I can say okay they're they're like saying them but I still need to, the book to hold in my hands and then I went down a rabbit hole watching all these like interviews of the mm-hmm. author and everything so anyway that Wonderful. was a that was good that was good yes I love it well, on top of that, I was going to ask um, how your MLK day was, because I know you typically do some service related stuff on that important holiday. Well, I am, first of all, very, very glad that I actually did do service, because if I didn't, I would feel shame. Right I, I realized that as I was saying it, I was like, oh, God, please, please tell me you did something. First, let me backtrack two days before MLK day and say that it was the Founders Day of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, my sorority. Um, And uh, that was amazing. That was celebrating 111 years. Never miss a chance to shout out the Deltas. Um, (laughs) And then um, January the 15th, which was MLK Day, also happens to be the Founders Day of Alpha Kappa Alpha. Since I ain't petty, I'm going (laughs) to shout Shout out to you. You were going to mention that. Yeah, you listen. Nah, you know, I'm not, you know. Mm Hey, we all here doing great work. Mm-hmm. So shout out to them. Um, but, uh, you know, my my service um, was two part. One part of it was a service project where we 
partnered with a community group and they deployed us out to the um, yards of some of our seniors living in the community, not that far from my house. And we did yard cleanup for folks that, you know, really needed it. And mm-hmm. it was myself, a um, bunch of teenagers and some other moms and dads and other folks out there. So that was fun. But after that, the second part of my service was I went to the American Red Cross and um, I went to give platelets. Wow. Have you ever given platelets? I have not. Okay. Why am I a whole entire medical doctor and full professor? And I thought you just give blood and then they go on and just, you know, separate pull, pull, pull off them platelets and mm-hmm. keep right? Turns out, no, that's not what they do. There is a very specific process for platelet donation. It takes significantly longer than giving whole blood. It mm-hmm. takes about three hours, actually. Wow. And platelets do not last very long. And it's very hard to keep the platelet supply up. And when I think about how many times in my career I've ordered platelets for people, I was actually kind of ashamed of the fact that I really did not know very much about platelet donation. So um, I was called by a volunteer and asked if I would come and give platelets. And I said, you know, I'm going to do that on MLK Day. Mm. So they let you post up in a cozy chair. They put a blanket over you. You can watch a tablet. They got stuff for you to watch on TV. You can listen to a book, but it is a commitment. So I'm I'm really just saying this to say, uh, if you have never given platelets, you should consider giving platelets, especially if you're a doctor or a medical student listening to this, because you will order platelets and um, they don't come out of nowhere. Wow. I am so glad that you brought that up. You know, I have not been able to donate blood um, just because I've been chronically anemic for a while. And I'm wondering if that would prohibit me from donating platelets. That's a very good question. I get the impression. And you know what? Somebody's immediately going to correct me, but <laughs> I get the impression that maybe you still could give platelets. And here's why I think that, because if you've recently donated blood, whole blood, And, you know, and they tell you like, oh, the next time you can give blood is on March the 11th. You can give platelets within that time. Mm, Okay. I do wonder if they check and see if your platelet count is okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, I say go ahead and try. But for the hopefully thousands of people, (laughs) but (laughs) for the tens of people listening to this podcast. (laughs) For our close friends and family who continue to listen to this. Y'all. No, y'all ain't doing nothing but looking at your smartphone anyway. So go on and sit in the chair and let somebody take your platelets while you do that and do what you were going to be doing anyway. I love that so much. (laughs) All right, but y'all, this right here, wait a minute, let me pull out my fan to fan myself off (laughs) because I'm heated as I think about. What y'all are getting ready to experience? What are you getting ready to experience, you ask? None other than the silk pressed out. (laughs) Amazing clinician educator, podcast executive producer extraordinaire, the Ashley McMullen. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. I bet you never pulled a fan out on my intro. No, I mean, I'm a little jealous that you brought props. Um, So I will be thinking about how I'm going to incorporate that uh, (laughs) for our next episode, but thank you. Okay, but I digress. 
What is the what, sis? The what for this episode that I'm trying to figure out right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The what is respond. Respond. Very Mm -hmm. nice. Yeah. Like that. So I was thinking about this. Um, It's an experience that um, happened to me a couple months ago, actually. Oh, during the summertime, actually during one of our um, one of our breaks from the pod. So I was actually on my way home from clinic. So this was definitely a Wednesday. Um, I was driving across the Bay Bridge from my clinic in downtown San Francisco, heading back to Oakland in the East Bay, and just coming around off of 580 exiting Harrison, which is where I usually get off to head to my apartment. I remember like feeling just the sense of just ease. Like I made it through another clinic day and I was actually just like thinking about like, okay, what am I going to treat myself to since I, you know, worked a full day and thinking about what I wanted to eat and just how I was going to spend the evening. It was around six, seven, you know, I get to the light um, as I'm getting, you know, just about a couple blocks from my apartment. I'm just very much immersed in my own thoughts. And all of a sudden I hear this smack, which is like, like this clap. I look up and I see immediately across the street, a bicycle on the ground and a man next to his bicycle who's not moving. Oh my God. It was like my 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 body reacted before I even had formed um, full thoughts in my mind. I was just like, you know, I let out an expletive. I do remember that. <laughs> and then I pulled over my car and I remember I was like, I barely had the car in park before I was like already getting out. And I will say like, I am generally not someone who like runs towards danger. Like I'm usually in the fight, flight or like freeze response. I am definitely the freeze person. Like- okay. I got to work it out in my brain a little bit beforehand, but you know, this was a situation in which I just reacted. I I responded um, almost immediately. I get out the car. This gentleman did not have a helmet on and coming upon him, it was very clear that this was a traumatic brain injury. He must've been probably late thirties, early forties, if I had to guess. And, you know, he was at first not moving, then he starts to kind of move around. Mm. And I just, you know, immediately like, you know, start to stabilize his head and neck and start trying to talk to him. Calm down. I'm here. I'm a doctor. It's going to be okay. And um, I'm really just, you know, trying to go through my my general like ABCs. It was just like this kind of, you know circulation exactly yeah. yeah you're you're like you're leaning back on the, the 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 fundamental skills these things that I really don't do on a day-to-day basis but still exist in the back of my mind it's like okay he's mouthing words he's breathing like I don't hear any gurgling it seems like the airway is clear like he's moving like there's some circulation I try to look at um his pupils to see if you know there's any evidence of you know, fixed pupillary response um, that might indicate like elevated pressure in the brain. I'm not seeing that. Mm-hmm. See a lot of blood from the the back of the head, the scalp. There's nothing coming out of the ears. Um, and, you know, he's starting to move what looks like all four of the limbs. 
And so really like at this point, I'm just trying to keep him still. I'm trying to keep him calm and I'm trying to get, find somebody to call, you know, 911. Mm-hmm. I eventually start hearing him trying to like mouth more words. He's saying agua, like agua. And realizing this gentleman, you know, probably is predominantly Spanish speaking. And then based on, you know, his identification, it seems like he was there kind of like on a worker's visa, just trying to, just trying to get home. And one of the things that I, you know, realize is that, you know, when people don't know how to help, they start doing all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Someone handed me a roll of paper towels, like (laughs) (laughs) like a bag of ice and, you know, and um, I guess, you know, at, at some point I feel someone coming up next to me and it's an, and she introduces herself as another physician. And she, she also happens to speak Spanish. Oh, wow. First so time. both of us are just working in tandem to try to continue to get this man stable, to continue to, you know, make sure that, you know, there's nothing else kind of emergent that we need to assess, like no other like heavy bleeding um, his pulses still are strong. He's still moving. He's still responding. And, um, after what feels like forever, <laughs> EMS finally comes, they start to take over the situation. And that was the first point that I actually, actually like looked up and surveyed the scene. And there was a giant crowd <laughs> just standing around, like staring at me. Oh, wow. I think what also struck me was the person who was driving the car, how much pain and fear was in his eyes, Mm. you know, realizing like, wow, this is going to affect you for the rest of your life. Right. And along with that person, there were a couple other people in the car with him and they were looking at me and just mouthing like, thank you so much. Like, thank you so much. Like they were like tearful. And in my mind, I was just like, well, I was just moving based on instinct. They eventually got the man into the ambulance and you know, it was jarring in the sense of just like, wow, I actually don't know what's going to happen to this person. I don't know what's going to happen to the man who was driving the car. Mm. There's been times in my life that I've been very grateful for my skill sets and and what I do, but I just like, it just hit me in a whole different way after that. It was just like, wow, (laughs) like, thank God I was here. Like that felt really, um, both weird and satisfying to say, which is like, thank God I was I was here to respond. One of the reasons I went into primary care is just like I hate, <laughs> you know, having to respond to things quickly. Like I like taking my time. I like to think through and be very cerebral. But on some level, you know, the training and instinct that I acquired in residency prepared me for that moment uh, to be able to do that and. Um, to respond in the way that I did and potentially keep a bad situation from getting much worse. I think that was a very, one of the first times that I've been the first person on the scene in such a serious situation. Woo. Yeah. (laughs) Well, first of all, just to send in a little warm thoughts to those individuals involved. And I do like that you acknowledge the person who caused the accident, you know, who hit mm-hmm. the person because we are often just a sliding door away from something like catastrophic happening at our hands. Mm-hmm. So I hope that person's okay. 
You know, I, I, I have been in situations a lot of times where I was a first responder, but the difference is that I wasn't the first responder and it panned out to be something very awful. Mm-hmm. And and I and I think that's what's standing out to me about your story. This person looked like something something really bad could have happened. I've definitely been in situations, particularly uh, it's happened a few times when I'm at um, actually our, our big sorority conventions where someone passes out or something like that, and mm-hmm. you know people are like, "Grady Doc, come on," <laughs> and I run over there. <laughs> but uh, a lot of times it's you know just vasovagal or something like that, but. Mm-hmm. I, I do always have this little thing in my head saying as I'm running over there, it might not be vasovagal. What you going to do if it's not vasovagal? What are you going to do if this person um, has, you know, is, is not conscious? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Um, and I have to kind of start talking myself through it um, mm-hmm. sometimes because I, I think I freeze a little bit too. And there are people who it's just, naturally their jam just to like jump into the fray and just start telling everybody what to do. And I do sometimes need like a little minute to, to think, but I I do find that that little few seconds that I've take to think about what if, what if this is something more, what am I going to do? Then that's actually enough to kind of get me in gear. Yeah. You know, I remember going home and then coming back outside to go for a run because I was just so amped up with all the adrenaline, you know, that intersection had completely cleared and people were just, you know, walking back to by. you know, it just reminds you like how everything can change in such a quick amount of time. We are really just such a tiny sliver away from something completely life-changing happening to us mm-hmm. just in a snap. Maybe because we turned left instead of right. Maybe because we happened to be, because we didn't make the the the, um, the green light. So we were there when mm-hmm. this smack happened. Maybe you slammed on the brakes in time to not have something really bad happen. Maybe you looked up from your phone that you shouldn't have been holding in your hand in time to hit your brakes. All of these things that could like completely, completely change your life. Mm-hmm. And even if nothing really you know, permanently bad happens, it can still cause you to be, you know, to have trauma. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's what it, it, what it felt like, you know, just this, like this instant trauma that hit everybody in in different ways instantaneously. I think, you know, for me, it was definitely all of that and recognizing like just the, the preciousness of these individual moments you know, how many times have I been, you know, unaware that I just barely dodged, you know, oh, girl. a life-changing moment? Girl, don't even get me started. Yeah. There was a, a a day once when I had a really scatterbrained day. It was actually the day, a day that we voted and we used to vote at my kids' elementary school. And I um came to get my kids from aftercare and vote. It was just a whole lot going on and the day had just been weird, but my kids were hungry. I was trying to get out of there. People were coming in to vote. It was just a mess at the school. And um, one of my kids was asking me for something and I put my car in reverse and I started backing up. And all of a sudden I just like see somebody waving their hands and running. And, and um, I put my car immediately in park, get out, look, and it's like 
a man on the ground behind me. Mm. Now, mind you, I was very distracted by my kids and talking to them about their day and trying to figure out what I'm going to get them to eat and what do I have in my refrigerator. But this person had actually dodged away from my car. So I didn't hit the person. But mm. but but the person that dodged away from my car, one was a person who was living with a disability. So could not move fast, but somehow got it in gear that day to get away from my crazy minivan. But also, it turns out that this person that I almost hit is a loved and prominent figure in the community. Like, I won't even say who the person is, but it, it's somebody that if I had hit and harmed this person, it would have changed my entire life. Mm. And it would have changed my kids' entire life. And, um, you know, I got out of the car and just looked and said, I was very distracted. I was thinking about what I was going to feed my kids. I was thinking about voting. I was thinking about a whole bunch of things. And I wasn't looking at my rear camera like I should have. And I am so sorry. And I accept full responsibility. And I'm so sorry. And they met me with grace. Wow. Met me with grace. I had tore his pants. And he said, the only thing I need is for you to send me $75 to replace my pants. I said, well, okay. <laughs> I swear. Man. Yeah. Did y'all believe, but like that was, somebody was watching me that day. Cause I, mm -hmm. I mean, I would have been on the news. I would have been, it, it was, it would have really, this would mm -hmm. not have been a good person to run over. Yeah. On a on a super Tuesday, <laughs> right? If there is a good person to run over, I mean, I know there probably ain't nobody good to run over, but like, <laughs> this really would not have been a good look. <laughs> yeah, no, mm. I, I appreciate you sharing that as a corollary. I think you know on both sides, like the grace of being able to respond and also like holding space for what it means to be you know in the driver's seat in those situations, and yeah. a reminder for for all of us, like not only to appreciate the preciousness of life and how it changes in an instant, but also pay attention. And um, I also think trauma is often, and I don't know if I'm right or not, maybe some trauma expert will know, but like, it seems like there's these fleeting moments, this immediate space of um, what could make it worse. Mm. And I, I feel pretty confident that if I had not been met with some grace, um, I, I, th I think that would have been something that would have been harder for me to deal with. I was very sorry and I'm still yeah. very sorry. And actually the person's spouse was, was next to them and the spouse was actually screaming at me, mm. asking what was wrong with me and why I'm not looking where I'm going. But the person that had jumped out of the way of my car met me with grace and said, you know, I can see how something like this would happen, but please, please, please be careful. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, because if I hadn't jumped out of the way and honestly, if the person wasn't running on the side, I wouldn't have even seen them. But mm -hmm. I think about like what you did in those immediate moments, even those, you know, there was, there was even grace in you saying, I'm a doctor. I'm not a flex, like grace, like, Hey y'all, you know, peace, be still everybody calm mm -hmm. down. I'm a doctor. And it, and that, and sometimes that's as much, you know, for you yourself as it is mm -hmm. for everybody there. But those people standing around watching I don't know that they were even just voyeurs. I think some of them were feeling called um, to, 
you know, sort of be your interprofessional team, you know, those people handing you paper towels and such. They're like, like, I don't know what to do, Mm -hmm. but, but, but if she tells me to do something, I'm ready to do it. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Well, thank you for being obedient and Mm. getting out of your car and going to help a person in need. That actually says a lot about who you are, because sometimes, um, we, we, we sort of know the right thing to do, but you getting out of the car in a moment like that, you add in a, like that could be a, a two, three, four hour venture. You could be, mm-hmm. you go into the emergency department with them. It could end up being a whole bunch. Um, thank you. That's, that's good. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, really, this was just my covert public service announcement to tell all y'all <laughs> to start, start wearing bike helmets. Wear bike helmets and learn CPR because mm-hmm. Yes, people get in accidents, but also people arrest and they could arrest right near you. So mm-hmm. make sure you know what to to do. Absolutely. And they do and they do have like no, no, uh, I don't know what they call it, no touch CPR where you mm-hmm. gotta put your mouth on people. Yep. So. Yep. No excuse. <laughs> <laughs> no excuse. Well, my sister, I thank you for this um this story. It's a, a good grounding reminder because I'm I'm a little busy right now. Mm-hmm. And that's when that's when stuff happens when you move in too fast. So yeah, I'll slow down. Yeah, slow down, y'all. Mm-hmm. Well, sis, I appreciate you listening. I know it's a little late over on the East Coast, um, but it is a pleasure to to see you and, and Jules gracing my screen with all of your beauty. So on that lovely note, have a wonderful night. And you do the same, sis. I love you. I love you too. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast. Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and the Clinical Problem Solvers, our med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla! Holla.